This is episode 14 of Small Business Rising. My name is Anna. And my name is Marta Gabriela. And today's topic is overcoming fear. Our guest, Aiste, is only 21 years old, yet she managed to both write and publish a book and to start her own business, Idiful, in a foreign country. That's very impressive record for such a young woman. But did it all came easy to her? In today's episode, we will explore her journey, including what was she afraid of the most and what helped her to overcome that fear. Stay tuned and find out. Hello, Marta, Marta Gabriela. Hello, Aiste. <laughs> Hello, Anna. Anna. <laughs> yes, uh, Marta, you are going through something with your name, aren't you? Yeah, I kind of, you know, my name is Marta. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a second name, which is Gabriela. And I went by Marta for a long time. And then I thought that maybe I can upgrade myself and call myself Marta Gabriela because I thought it sounds so nice. It sounds nice. It sounds like a character from a soap opera, Marta Gabriela. Yeah, something like that. And I was like, how about I just use my both names? But then I kind of uh, changed my uh, life path. Uh, Again. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Again. And uh, Marta seemed to be in common use again. <laughs> so I'm thinking that maybe I'm simply Marta. Yeah. And sometimes Marta Gabriela, why not? That's, yeah. that's a good name for a telenovela also, no? Yeah. Simply Marta. <laughs> simply Marta. Simply Marta. <laughs> simply Marta. That's actually a very yes. good title. No, it's because I, I think that for the listeners that are listeners of our both radio shows, which is You've Got Five Options and Small Business Rising, I think they have to be super confused because you are Marta, you've got five options, then Marta Gabriela here, then again Marta here. Well, but you are you, and you are one and the same it person. Just, it just speaks to my bipolar uh, disorder, which I don't have, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but we, you know, that's like what bipolar anyway. people say, that they don't have it. So, yeah, we yeah. like you either way. Yeah, you we know, like I'm, you. I'm David, and after midnight... You can call me Natasha. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's more funky. Yeah, that's his side business. I do not want to comment on that. But you know, it's small business rising, so inspirations are pouring from all the microphones here. But hello, Aist, I hope that you are not scared by this um, quite unusual introduction. How are you today? I am very good. It's very nice to see so many talkative, very fun people over here. It makes the atmosphere way nicer than us just being very serious. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I hope you are talking about us right yes okay awesome <laughs> awesome and uh for our listeners uh if you are now listening to us on the radio it's 20 of november however we are recording this program on 13 of november which happens to be friday the 13 in a year 2020 that in its own resembles friday the 13 all the way so i actually have a question for you i because um, we are talking today about fear are you afraid of Friday, Friday the 13th? No, I'm not very um, superstitious in overall, so I don't, okay. I don't really believe in that. So You don't believe in that, so I, I wonder... I think that goes in my favor, to be honest, so... <laughs> yes, I think so too, and I have to say that uh, when we met today and uh, we were talking over the threshold, I told Aista that we have to greet each other when we are on the si- same side of a threshold, and uh, I thought, okay, I will be judged for that severely. We have that superstition in Poli- uh, Poland that you cannot greet yourself, uh, introduce yourself, shake hands, do anything over the threshold, because then you will be separated in life or you will be 
enemies or so i don't remember marta what's uh, it's separation yeah it was right? something about a f- you can fight or have a mis- yeah misunderstanding yes. or something so i was like no no come here and uh, now i see that if you are not a superstitious person then i definitely came out quite weird for you so Don't worry, Anna, you usually come out as weird no matter (laughs) what, so that's not gonna make a big difference. (laughs) I think think in Lithuania we also have quite a lot of uh, superstitions, just traditional ones. You don't really think about it as too much, but when you go somewhere and let's say you say something and you don't want it to happen, you um, spit through your shoulder three times and then do like uh, knocks on the wood. That's yes. also weird, but you just do it. You just do it. Very right? unfortunate if you're walking behind that person. <laughs> and very <laughs> unfortunate in times of Corona. Imagine people start walking around and spitting. They would be arrested <laughs> big yes. time. And knocking on wood, which sometimes mean knocking on someone's forehead if there is no wood around because... Mm-hmm. Knocking on someone's forehead. Yeah, because actually, I think in Polish you say that you have to knock in not painted Niemalowane, so at something that was not covered with the paint, right? Mm. So usually that's wood, but uh, many people are no, making this. No, not painted wood. Wood? Yes. Odpukać w niemalowane. Drewno. Okay. Yeah. Someone has not informed me about that. I'm really sorry to all the people that I have <laughs> knocked on foreheads throughout my life. <laughs> Usually those were men because women wear makeup. But we have a little bit of uh, of uh, cultural vibes here, which is really great because Aista, you just told us that you are from Lithuania. Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's Marta, man. It's, it's Mar- all her fo- Sorry, Marta Gabriela. It's Marta Gabriela. <laughs> Marta. Urbanis, Gabriela. Yeah. Urbanis. Urbanis. Yes, but Aista, so you are from Lithuania. From Vilnius, to be more precisely, and you are here in Denmark for two and a half years. Correct. Tell us, how on earth did you got here? And you are pretty young, 21, so uh, you were here when you were 17 and a half? No, I was. I came here when I was 18, so... 18, okay. Yeah. So 18, 19, that was kind of... So the mathematics, right Anna, you spent too much time with me and your mathematics. Either, either it's my mathematics <laughs> or my notes. She's going to be 22 soon. <laughs> that's what I mean. Maybe that's why. Okay, so tell us, how did you got how did you got from Lithuania to Denmark? I'm really curious about the story. I mean, I, I think it comes with the um, whole story, with the whole package. So when I was about 14, I went to my first international project and it was in Denmark. Okay. So I came uh, to Denmark and I lived in Horsens. Uh, which, if anyone knows, is not far from Aarhus, if people who are listening are from Denmark. And I lived there in this family. And back then, I figured that when I came home, I wanted to study in Denmark. So I researched um, universities, and I think my I just fell on Aarhus University, and ever since then, I just wanted to study there. So that was kind of <laughs> my goal for a very long time, I think. And I still remember, because back when I was 14, I had this uh, small blog uh, online as well. And it's not published anymore, I think. But uh, I wrote something about Denmark, which was in the lines of um, me seeing that people cherish some different things here. For example, I lived in a family which uh, didn't have maybe the most amazing house or anything like that. But they were very happy and they spent more uh, money, let's say, on things they enjoyed rather than possessions. So I found um, a bit maybe a cultural thing, but a bit of a different idea of happiness and that kind of uh, maybe want to come here and see 
if uh, I could see myself living here afterwards. So, oh, that so that was actually very carefully planned and executed because we uh, have couple of we had couple of guests who were. What are you doing with your eyebrows? She's a lady with a plan. <laughs> She's a lady with a plan. Yeah, because many of our guests are coming here and they find themselves here in this culture by accident. Either they follow their partner or they just find a job or uh, they are planning uh, studies somewhere in other country and Denmark, they just choose Denmark. Like the last week we had... a. Uh, Guys from Siamo Street and Maxim was from Latvia. He said that he actually was planning to come somewhere else and he changed to Denmark in the last moment. But here we have a lady who specifically wanted to live in Denmark. Nice. So how do you like it so far? I mean, I like Denmark overall. I think um, I plan a lot, but most of my plans somehow fail in between and then I end up where I want to be when yeah. I wanted to be. So um, it was the same with kind of universities for me. I came here and in Lithuania we had exam dates. You get your exam papers yeah. later and I couldn't get into Aarhus University even though they accepted me. And then I had to go to a P degree, which I didn't really want to go to because I wanted a bachelor. But in the end of the day, I ended up now I'm studying in Aarhus University. So I ended up where I wanted, but it was like a very bumpy road. And I think that uh, made my experience a little bit uh less nice to some extent mm -hmm. but as currently uh, as of currently i really enjoy my life here and uh, i'm very happy with where i am today so okay that's actually quite interesting that you had some obstacles it wasn't such a smooth sailing i think it's always like that i, I think i plan and structureize but in the end of the day it all fails and then you somehow back it back off into where you want it to be in the end Actually, that's um, that's how it happens in life very, very often. We were actually talking about this today with Dave in a car when we were coming for recording that many times, you know, um, the, the thing about, you know, winning or, or um, striving towards the journey, towards, not, towards your goal, it's actually... It's not about, you know, if you are successful, but how many times you get punched, stand up, and keep on going. Mike Tyson, no? <laughs> he claims it's Mike, Mike Tyson. I'm not sure if Mike Tyson is, is that Mike, eloquent. Mike, Mike Tyson said that you, you always have a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> that, that he yeah. said. That is a very good quote. So you are here and you are studying. What are you studying? Tell us one more time. I'm studying economics and business administration. Sounds super exciting. Marta, what mm -hmm. do you think? I may or may have not studied something alike. <laughs> I may or may have not studied something alike neither. <laughs> this doesn't sound that exciting for a hippie <laughs> like me. <laughs> okay. But uh, you are studying and in the same time you are running a business which we will talk about. And you have also published a book. And you have also started in a video of a song that we will play today. And, uh, okay, what else do you do? You are 21. You look like a lady with a lot of different ambitions and a lot of different interests. Uh, interest and, uh, oh, my God, I'm actually super impressed by you. Thank you. <laughs> you are very welcome. Um, Is there anything else you would like to add to this uh, quite busy uh, pot of, of different things that we are steering right now? Yeah, well, we were talking with Dave before as well a little bit, and I kind of manage my husband as well to some extent of his music. But I think... Um, uh, m musically you manage yeah. him. Okay. Well, <laughs> also, I mean, we, we just do some marketing together, and he haven't done that before he met me, even though he okay. did music. So um, we generally, I think this list is obviously big, but... Uh, 
a lot of it comes with a lot of help, obviously. And mm -hmm. I think my husband is a very big help for me and we kind of exchange tasks so it doesn't get boring or irritating. So um, it's always um, a collaboration, I think, all yeah. of these tasks, including the book. I mean, it all came uh, with him, like editing through it and stuff like that. So I think... I was very fortunate also to meet a lot of people and uh, in Denmark here. I have people here who I call my foster family, who I lived with mm -hmm. from the very beginning where I rented a room. And I think I was just very fortunate in a lot of cases. And that's why that list can be <laughs> today that big. But ultimately, uh, since we talk about fear today, I think um, I am honestly a person who is very afraid of a lot of things and internally I am afraid of some crazy things or stupid things like, for example, raising my hand in the class or telling something or, um, I don't know, showing myself out there. Like publishing my book was also a very weird thing for me. And it it came to me since I was a child, I think. Um, overall, I mean, when I was small, um, people don't believe that when I say it now. But when I was small, I was afraid to talk with people, not at home. But when I would go out, I would afraid to talk. And when I went to the first grade, I, for the first year in the breaks, I wouldn't talk with anyone. And I remember my dad said that <clears throat> there was a problem. My teacher said, it's a problem. We need to fix this. Um, so we would go for runs with my dad. My family is very active. And um, we would go to the stadium and there were bars that go up, kind of three bars and they go smallest, medium and biggest. And so he would tell me, for example, to climb on the smallest and then climb on the higher one and then on the highest and then go down, which is like extremely scary for a child, especially when I was like seven then. And um, he just kind of learned. I think my parents just taught me uh, by these small experiments to you're it's OK that you're afraid. You will always be afraid. And it's just that you go together with fear. That's what my dad would use when I'm small. Just go with fear. It's fine. And um, I think it's overall just uh, learning to punch yourself in the butt and tell yourself that, you know, you're scared, that's okay, and you need to go, it doesn't matter, so. This is actually quite amazing. First of all, I'm really impressed by your parents and by your dad. So uh, our warmest greetings, and Marta, this is actually something that I believe you, uh, you have had, because I don't know if all these name changes and uh, identity changes and uh, bipolar that I just found out <laughs> after all these years. Uh, that's, but that's quite your philosophy of, of tackling the fear, right? Feel well, the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, it's very much feel the fear and do it anyway. And I would uh, you also use the strategy, to, strategy of kind of kick yourself in the butt and do it anyway. I did uh, change that to being more kind to myself and being more like, I hear you and we are going to do it anyway because I would really, really push myself hard. And that's not necessarily uh, good in my opinion anymore. Uh, it can serve some people and it, and it works when it works. And at some point when it stops working, you just need to adjust <laughs> to yeah. what works best for you. So for me, I adapted to I hear you and we are going to do it anyway to my fear. But so I think it's speak. important also what you say, because um, I mean, it, the, the pushing yourself comes also with a lot of uh, those uh, things where you sometimes uh, blame yourself for things that are not in your control as well. Right. It, it just comes with that. But as you say, it's like it, the first step is just acknowledging that it's okay that you're afraid and that maybe the bravest people that you see out there 
they're always afraid possibly and they're just there and they're just doing and they're pushing themselves in a way that is still healthy for themselves so yeah and i really have a question what is the book title what is the book about it's called life notes um yeah. and the book itself um it's kind of i call it fictional biography yeah. <laughs> i'm not uh really sure if that's the correct way to describe it but it's just um a book about uh, simple things that you see every day and just appreciating the life lessons i guess of uh, and it's and it's portrayed in in um, a girl who has this uh, cap on her life let's say and um she just she just writes about how she things about her life and past experiences and she believes that those were great lessons and she appreciates every single part of it. So I think it's about appreciating journey overall and uh, I don't know, I think it resonated with me and my goal with it was kind of to um let everyone interpret it the way they want to and I I gave it to some people to read a couple of chapters in order to see if it does have that effect and it did. So I think uh everyone should understand on in their own way what you try to say and uh kind of just look maybe in their life and appreciate again what they have not maybe appreciated as much as they should have so yeah i st- i i think i asked you if you have a copy of the uh, my god my voice is <coughs> Excuse me. I think I asked you to uh, bring a copy if you have a hard copy of a exactly. book. Exactly. I forgot to bring it, but I promise I will I will bring to you. Amazing. Send it to you. <laughs> yeah, because I actually wanted to to buy the book, but the book is available on Amazon and for everyone who is interested in uh, taking a look because the on on Amazon you have the preview of the book so you can also read a bit of a text and you can see the illustrations that are in the book which are also very intriguing for me and I hope that we will have time to come back to the whole process of publishing the book at the end of the interview but for everyone interested uh, the information about the book will be on the show notes of this episode you just have to visit the five options.com five as a number and please do not type the five options.com five as a number i mean that it's the number five options.com because i actually got lately that uh, remark from someone that uh, some people might type it uh, five as a number no 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 it's the fiveoptions.com and we will have the show notes and we will of course have all the info about you your company and also the book so then you will be able to see it with your own eyes everyone and it's it's a pity because i really wanted to browse the book marta could browse the book now so Uh thank you Anna that I could do that. <laughs> yes, you could touch my book because I I I am uh, I am generous like that. Uh but I hope to get the book because I oh, got wow. a PDF just to take a look at it. So I hope we will come back to it. Yes, Marta. No, it's just like I really have a bad comment. Have it. You would ha- get your book back with my germs. <laughs> And you know, what would you do with them? Controversial. Uh, 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 what would I do with your germs? I would talk to them nicely. I would say, "I hear you, germs, and your master has a bipolar." So, what do you think about that? I think your germs would be very happy to transfer to me. Actually, they would. They would just meet a lot yeah. of their friends, wouldn't they? Yeah, because exactly. I think we exchange many books in general. Uh, in general, yeah. But uh, I think that, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a different topic for a different program. but at least we are keeping uh, a cheerful atmosphere um there is one more thing before we will go into our small song break where we will actually hear your husband 
something that I meant to ask you uh, since I found out. How tough or maybe not tough because it's quite unusual to be married at 21 years old. And the decision like that, I assume, would come with some consideration, hopefully, and also maybe with some fears. And tell us a little bit about this, because in these times, we don't meet people who marry that early. We usually meet people who are waiting until they are, I don't know, even 35. Um, that was something that was more uh, popular uh, in the older generations. So tell us a little bit about this decision. I think it also the influence that my parents were very, were very young when, when they got me and when they got married. I, I think that's also influential. I think... Mm -hmm. um, I never, I never emphasize so much about how old you are. It just feels right when it feels right, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be honest, my husband now was my first boyfriend ever. Um, and I just think we were pushed, I guess, by the, by the time and by the destiny itself to just be um, where we are today. I mean, I was when we met, um, I was about to finish my AP degree. And um, I had to make a decision whether I work here a long time and then also do my internship at the same time or I go back to Lithuania and do my internship. The problem was that, that if I do an internship in Lithuania, I'll probably, if I get a job there, I would stay probably in Lithuania. And um, he, didn't, he didn't want that to happen, so he offered me to start living with him. And bear in mind, at that time, we were meeting each other for like five months or six months or so. Um, so it's not it's not long period of time. So I said no a couple of times and he said, you know, it's fine a couple of times. And he said, like, you know, you can live and everything is fine and you will need to work less in that way. Or he said not to work at all, but I still did to some extent. And um, he said, if if it doesn't work out, then it's fine. Like we there's no hard feelings or anything. So when we started living together, I think I was very afraid to live with someone. Mm -hmm. He was very afraid to live with someone because he lived only with his parents and then alone. Yeah. Um, but it just worked out, I think, in a perfect way because we were both a little bit um, over crazy about our ho hobbies and stuff. And we just kind of exchanged all of our lives just kind of intertwined and we helped each other and we just kind of worked very well, I think. And um, I don't know, it just, I think it just led there. It slowly, and I think his parents were also surprised. I don't think my parents were that surprised, but I think it was just overall um, this journey that couldn't, in our eyes, I think, couldn't have ended other way. It's not like it's ending, it's just the start of it anyways, but. Um, <laughs> exactly, I wanted to say yeah. that, that. But I think, I think it's nice. And for us, it's, uh, it's a, honestly, it's a blessing to, to have someone right now mm -hmm. instead of later and just have that person um, 100%, 100%. And um, I think it's, it's honestly, there were some fears before getting married, obviously. And I think those fears were mostly like, uh, how will it go? Will it all be fine? Will anything change? And I can say nothing has changed and it's way more, way better for us. We don't have that many fears now that we're married, I think, about each other or that uh, something will happen. Then what do we do and yeah. how will we cope with this? I think it just made us both calmer and uh, just opened us to just loving each other and not really... Uh, thinking about outside things that much. Okay, that's a beautiful story. Dave is almost crying. That's number one. Uh, <laughs> number two, I, I think I have a sense that you and your husband are more than just wife and husband. You are also friends. 
partners in crime regarding your business endeavors. So I, I, I see that there is a lot of layers to this relationship. At least this is how it com comes across. Uh, so uh, your answer makes a perfect sense. And actually, it reminds me of a story I heard once from... Uh, from a gentleman that was my trainer back in the day, he told me that he met his wife when they were 15 years old and they men met on some dance um, hall. Uh, there was some kind, of, I don't know, in the older times because now he's around 60 something. So what they had there, some dance parties, I guess, and they danced uh, and uh, after that dance, they fell in love with each other. And one year later, they were married. Uh, it's a low age to get married, but it was 60 years ago. So apparently that was um, that was allowed at that point. And they are together ever since. And he loves his wife the same. He said, I love her the same, of course, or even more as I loved her the first time I danced with her, you know, when we were 15. It's a really beautiful story. And I know that life sometimes is not as poetic and beautiful, but there are stories like this. So it actually reminds me of that story. So you are a good storyteller, my dear. But now we will actually listen to a song that was uh, recorded and uh, produced, I guess, yes. by your by your husband. There is a video to this uh, song that we will actually attach in the show notes of, of this episode so you can watch it. Video is awesome. And we just talked before the show and we realized that the video was done by Adam Salinek. Mm -hmm. Sadilek. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Adam. I'm very, very sorry. That's for where I know you from. I was like... Okay, now now you know yeah, because <laughs> I saw the video. Yeah, revelation. So uh, the video is is really really beautifully made, but of course most of things or all the things that Adam is doing are really great. So you are also starring in a video with your husband, and you will be able to see this little masterpiece um, on YouTube, and it will be attached in our show notes. But now you can enjoy the song. At the radio, it is called Bound to Break, and it is not a story of your marriage, just to... <laughs> What's the name of your husband? Jonas uh, Peliskomachis, but he goes with Jonas Panico. Jonas Panico, I'm bound to break. never meant to be But she left my broken eye floating in a porcelain sea And the silence was deafening After all the plates had fell Silence was deafening And it keeps on ringing still Silence is deafening There's no way to drown it out We fell in love, we fell in now there is nothing left Cause she cared what she couldn't sell Pretty little flower on the porcelain and pieces Cut myself so deep, never thought she would be the reason Everything 
Myself on every piece Swimming all my heart has drowned Wish my soul would feel at ease And the silence was deafening After all the planes had fell Silence was deafening And it keeps on ringing still Silence is deafening There's no way to drown it out We fell in love, we fell apart Now there is nothing left Cause she kept what she couldn't sell Pretty little flower on the porcelain in pieces Cut myself so deep, never thought she would be the reason Everything's bound to break Everything's bound to break Everything's bound to break Everything's bound to break We fell in love, we fell apart Now there is nothing left Cause she kept what she couldn't sell Pretty little flower on the porcelain Cutting myself so deep, never thought she would be the reason. Everything's bound to break. Everything's bound to break. Everything's bound to break. Everything's bound to break. So that was uh, Bound to Break by Jonas Help Me, please. Panko. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Jonas Help Me, please. <laughs> that, was, uh, that is actually a great uh, name for the band, by the way. Jonas especially help me. in 2020. Jonas Help Me, please was part of that uh, telenovela, no? Yes, Simply, Simply Marta. Marta. Jonas, ah, yes. help me, please. Jonas Help Me, please. <laughs> that was the spin-off of uh, Simply Marta, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I am, oh, oh my God, my phone is on, but you know how it is when you have children and you forget sometimes to mute it. So I'm very sorry. Uh, I apologize, our listeners. Um, and I listen to the lyrics, of course, and I hope that in no way this is any uh, premonition for the future. Uh, I wonder what it, do you know what inspired him to write exactly this song? Not exactly. I mean, he, he had some pretty bad breakups, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so his life before me was very sad, as I told you in the message yes. at some point. Yes, yes. Keep <laughs> thinking that way. Yeah. That's I need to keep thinking, thinking that, that way. way. So yeah. I yeah. choose to think that way anyways. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but the song is, uh, is really nice and uh, very, very angelic voice your husband has. And we wish... Uh, for the song to to reach as many people as possible and to be ho- become a, at least a local hit because here in the radio we want to support musicians that are you know local that probably don't have means to go on a regular radio and stuff like this because music industries is quite tough but uh, we are back after the break and uh, I think that it's time to jump into your business. Uh, your business is called Edifu, 
And I think it's a really fantastic concept. And before we will get into the whole journey, please tell us what the business is all about. So um, we say it Idaful. You can say Idaful. A lot of people do Idaful. that. Idaful. <laughs> so you don't have to worry. Yeah. And um, ultimately, it uh, came from this idea that a lot of creatives, especially designers, they go to an education with a wish to start their brand, to showcase their story, to showcase their inspirations. And uh, ultimately, they don't get enough uh, business skills or business support or overall support from uh, the surroundings. Even mm -hmm. when it comes to universities, I feel like they just don't really have means that much to they want to create a professionals, but they don't really think about them creating their brand. So that's one side of the story. And the other side of the story is more so that uh, I think us as, as people, we have, there are those uh, bigger brands and we connect that with the designers. But there are so many young talents that would, that have these amazing designs that I show to people and people are like, wow, that's so pretty. I would want that for sure. And that's mm -hmm. so different than this fast fashion that we have right now. Um, and ultimately it has a meaning behind it and you can see that oftentimes. So people also want to some unique quality things to buy, but sadly there's not that many to choose from. Um, also when it comes to sustainability, a lot of young designers are very sustainable. They do hand make things, which means that they don't overproduce things. Mm -hmm. um, and since overproduction is such a big part of fashion industry overall, to combat that, it would be very great to give those designers a platform. Mm -hmm. So essentially, this I created a platform or we created a platform, a marketplace. For now, you can't really buy anything from there, but you can contact designers and request uh, one of their designs out there. And um, essentially, it's um, to bring together the designers and people who actually want to buy something unique, something that goes with sustainability or something that just goes with the great story or just want to support some local designers overall. So um, I think it's ultimately a place where we just strive to help. And especially when I, my goal all, all often was to create a business at some point. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started my education. So I emphasize with the designers who also started an education okay. uh, with the wish to start something. And then, I mean, there's not enough knowledge, like a there's theoretical knowledge, but there's not enough practical knowledge for you to do that sometimes. And the universities had some help packages or mentors and stuff. But for designers, there's nothing like that. There's no support like that. And if I wouldn't have had that, I don't know if this would have ever been possible, to be honest. So I just I just think I very much emphasize and always found it fascinating how they can do some stuff that I could never be able to do. Um, and that's when Idaful, I think, just came together. Okay, because I uh, that's I have to say this is a really fantastic idea, and uh, as we are supporting small businesses in general, I think this is a great idea because I'm on your main page now, and it, the the kind of the tagline is "Find your style mate," and then we have the portfolios of the designers that you have over here. And you basically can read about the designer, you can read the story of the designer, see a couple of, of pictures from the portfolio. And if you like it, you can directly contact the designer to maybe order something that is custom made, right? Yes, correct. This is a very, very nice idea. And I think you made a very good point. Mm, many creative mm, professions, not only designers, but also I think like musicians or especially musicians, 
uh, that's the experience I have, not with Dave, because he actually have a business account, but many of people who are creative, they just want to create. That's their passion. They just want to create either beautiful objects or beautiful music or beautiful, I don't know, books. And they don't necessarily either have an um, educational background or even a head to think about marketing or branding or something. And I think that this is a fantastic solution for the designers. So do I understand correctly that any designer that will now go, go on IDFull could um, apply for the account and for being exposed. Yes, that's correct. Um, we review, generally we review, we try to, to make it so that um, you still have to pass through us to make sure that the quality and uh, we we believe in the designers that we want to showcase. Um, and as I said, the goal, the end goal, hopefully three months or four months later, we can actually sell on a website. So it's easier for people to buy what they want mm -hmm. and to order something straight from there instead of going and contacting. But for now, I mean, it's, it's a great support system for them if people go and just contact them and figure it out, figure out that, you know, they can collaborate together or they can just uh, get their designs specifically made for them. Uh, is it only limited to the uh, clothes and, um, I don't know, accessories designers? Or are you planning to wider your scope and, my, I don't know, include uh, designers who are doing some home dec decor or something like this? Um, generally, I the first idea was to um, not only have fashion, but also have art and so on. But there are some marketplaces that are already doing an amazing job with that. Mm -hmm. So I think... Um, there is one of my mentors is from uh, the company called Decorate. They have something with interior design like that. And that's great. And I think overall, the designers of fashion designers are mostly uh, non-represented right now out there because there are so many marketplaces, but they're low price uh, driven. So that means yeah. that they can't really showcase anything. And even if they will post, put something in there, it probably will never show up for a customer. Um, so, I mean, they, they are the ones I think that essentially really needed this. And as much as I talk with the designers, they really needed that. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just so sad that these people who are so talented and so creative and they work every single minute of their life for, the way, for, for their, those designs and they're misrepresented so badly. Yeah, I think you have a very good point. And uh, this definitely is very aligned with how I uh, see the support that we in general can give to small businesses. And uh, Marta, I think that this would be something that would definitely ring your bell. Well, it would definitely ring my bell because it's a very similar thing to your idea. Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> on a broader scale, uh, you, Anna, we will maybe have a program about it soon. So maybe I shouldn't yeah. say too much. So, of course, I can understand that uh, you think this is a fantastic idea. <laughs> uh, and I oh. do as well myself. I uh, have been thinking about it a lot on how I would much rather buy much less clothes, but have something that is really high quality and that can last for a while. We had a really interesting interview in our other podcast uh, with uh, two ladies who started a brand for uh, for purses and uh, wallets. It's mm -hmm. called Nord, Nord by Nord, in English Nord by Nord. 
uh, by Danish, which I cannot say uh, like it should be. And they were just buying this leather that was to be thrown away. So uh, they they were really s- like looking into sustainability and only buying something that would be anyway a waste or as a plant produced like some of this ecologic or whatever we call it, this that is not really a leather, <laughs> mm-hmm. but a material ba- based on plants. And uh, we were just talking about it like, yeah, it's great when you buy something like that you you it's really special it's really really special as the first thing but then you are like oh but should i then always have just one purse you know forever Mm -hmm. and they had this great concept which i don't know they went ahead with of actually building a platform where you could also exchange things Mm -hmm. because when you have a high quality high value things but maybe you would like some variety that you could then build something where you could exchange so it has been on my mind for the last few years to have a possibility where you can easily find those special high quality handmade uh, yeah attire (laughs) if you can call it this way and then also with the possibility to sometimes just exchange it instead of buying something new but I think I think it's also important to note, like we have some designers who make bags from old commercial banners, which I find so fascinating. Or there's there's people who make it from new designs, but they do t- what's called timeless designs, meaning that you can always use it no matter what trend it is. And mm-hmm. ultimately, like blouses and stuff like that, that can be used for regular wear, but can also be used for an uh, occasion, right? These these items that can be variously used, that can be always used or very long long lived livably used are always um good to have mm-hmm. and i personally now not maybe before not when i was younger but now i think i will m- more likely have something that is so amazing to wear that i feel nice in that represents me to some extent uh, and i would have one dress that i could wear all the time than wear have 30 that i can wear one time you know yeah th- well there come also some things like you get kids and your cha- your size changes so that you mm-hmm. don't necessarily can wear the same dress uh, for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> or you can wear it one year and not the next year and the year after you can wear it again. So sometimes uh, there are <coughs> occasions in your life where maybe one dress oh, yes. wouldn't necessarily fit uh, for that long. That's correct. <laughs> that's, that's true. So then I think that actually any exchange market would be a great idea. Or you just buy a really big one that you can, you know, like have the old yeah. size that then becomes the uh, fit size. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that would be a message to designers. Can you design a dress in a size 44 that can be trimmed like with some kind of zippers and belts and stuff that it can be trimmed to any size? That would be a very good solution. And then I you guess. just buy one dress or you buy two dresses and you just wash it. You know, you wear the other one. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is washed. Yeah. But I, I, I'm totally on board with you, Marta, in regards to, you know, uh, buying less clothes and uh, maybe more special clothes because I think that one thing is the quality, the other one thing is to support the designers, which I that's really close to my heart. But it's also about getting something that was created with some sort of a, a thought, care, intention. Because when we are buying things that are coming from the production line, or from God forbid sweatshops. Uh, I don't really think there is a lot of uh, 
positive intention put into that. They, they basically are produced just to generate a profit. And uh, when a designer does something for you or created something, you know that this was treated with a love, with care, with intention, with imagination. And I think it makes it that much more special. So I guess one piece of cloth that is done in this way versus 10 cheap uh, mass-produced pieces of clothes, some people will still go for 10. And I understand that. That's actually totally fine. But I think more and more people are leaning towards towards having something that is more special, sustainable, and uh, created with more care. So that's that's just my five cents here. But we understand the motivation behind, and I see that you also have a mission in your heart, heart to help those people. But um, how hard for you was to make that decision to start a business? Because it is a big decision. We actually had a Kate Dahl here a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about starting her own business. And she had quite some experience and she had some encouragement from the environment. But it took her quite a lot of time to make a decision because it can be scary. So was it something that you just jump into or were there months of uh, internal dialogue? Should I? Should I not? Tell us about this, this aspect of your business. There was internal dialogue. It wasn't just jumping in for sure. But um, I think... Um, I wasn't afraid of the business itself because I always wanted to have business, which I touched upon briefly. Um, I think the hardest part for me was that I, at the time while when I came up with Idafall, even though that concept kind of jiggled in my mind for a very long time, yeah. I kind of felt like um, I don't have time for it. Like I had, I had two jobs at that time, and mm -hmm. uh, I studied in Horsens and lived in Aarhus, which is an hour and a half drive away every day. That's to one side. And I just felt like it would be very sad if I would go, because there are hel are helps, there, there are people who help you with uh, starting your business. If I would go there and they would tell, I have this amazing idea that I need to do, and then I'm not in control of that time and I can't spend time on it. And I would do this, this service, this huge disservice for the great idea that could have potentially been mm -hmm. something. So I think I was mostly afraid of getting this yes green light and then not being able to execute and not being able to to kind of uh, completely commit to it and that was my biggest fear i think in in this context i was i was just generally afraid to be it to be a good idea which is so weird because you want it to be a good idea yeah fear of success yeah kind of like that you know but i think i think it's uh, it's again it comes back to the those fears that we always have and i mean again that support that i had these people that i met as i said are mm -hmm. were very important in this case scenario also i mean i came here to study so i was like well my goal was to study here my goal was always also to start a business but i mean well my studies will probably go a little bit worse if i start this business and then i don't have time for any of those things and how do i jiggle it it's just it was just a lot of internal conflict i would say on what to prioritize or not to or maybe nothing will be prioritized in the end of the day um but i mean um, in the end of the day it's it's you start and then you figure it out on the way you know like mm -hmm. i feel i feel like i was very afraid to start and then i kind of came back to this philosophy of mine that you know i'm very much afraid just start like stop yourself and just start right now because you will figure it out or you won't but at least you will try 
I think that you have touched upon something that is truly, uh, truly interesting, something that I personally struggle with. And we talked about it over the phone before we met here. The fear of having that great idea and not being able to execute it. It's something that people don't really talk much about. We agreed on that. Yeah. You know, people talk about, oh, I'm afraid that I will fail. I'm afraid that I will make a fool of myself or, uh, you know, in case of a more serious business endeavor, I'm afraid I will lose all of my money. I'm afraid of this or that. But this fear of I have a great idea and I'm afraid I won't be able to execute it or I won't be able to put enough time to execute it in a great, I'm, I'm sitting potentially on something great and my, I might screw it up. It's a fear that I actually have personally and I can completely identify with that fear. And it's something that we really don't talk about that much. Marta, what do you think? That is true. And also just the concept of fear of success is some, mm -hmm. something we we talk so much more about the fear of failure, failure yeah. right? Uh, even though very often is uh, just the second side of the same coin. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I agree that this is something that is uh, is not talked about that much. And um, although I do, uh, I have like read about it and so on, read about all these entrepreneurs who were not ready at all to p when the pace suddenly picked up, when the when when their idea became very successful in a very short time and if they didn't get the right support if they didn't have the right structure how quickly it went down uh, just because there was no structure to support this great idea so now reflecting back on it i i, I did meet uh, that concept and read about it in some books and 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 have met it but it's true it's not as common to talk about to talk as about this, the yeah. other side yeah, and I think that this is a very good point because this fear is not irrational at all. As Marta said, it can go both ways. It can it can be like you say, you know, it's like you go and you figure out, but you yourself said, or you don't, and that's okay as well. And many entrepreneurs or many people who have this great idea, they don't figure out because they don't have many things in place. And then, uh, and then it maybe it has to be revisited after some time, or maybe it's uh, goodbye for that specific dream. Uh, but I wonder how did you uh, finally manage to um, calm down or reconcile those inner conflicts or inner uh, dialogues in your head because they were happening. But probably at one point you managed to do something mentally or psychologically or something happened that allowed you to cross that threshold threshold again and actually start a business what was it i think i still have those those thoughts in mind oftentimes i think it wasn't anything but myself to again push 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 away from it you know it, it's there and i think it won't go away but the idea of not trying at all, I think was a little bit scarier than the idea of failing in the end of the day, you know, or, or succeeding both mm -hmm. ways. Um, I think it was just the, it's, it was just a matter of uh, talking myself and saying what is worse, not mm -hmm. trying or trying and something happening, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I think I would regret it more than than if I wouldn't have started it. And I think it's also it was also a big influence of uh, talking about my husband as well. He did music for so long, and and uh, he he haven't had any much of success into it, but he still does it, and 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 he still tries, and he doesn't stop. And I think it's it's very good to have those people around you, or just meet someone and talk about it. And that if someone if someone else does it, maybe can inspire you to also get rid of push that fear a little bit away and be like, you know, I'll try. And if it, it goes the way it goes, then I'll figure it on the way. Yeah, I, I actually think that uh, it is a strategy that many people use. You know, what is worse? What I'm what I'm afraid of more not trying at all and just, you know, living in this. Uh, constant potential regret or just trying and yeah potentially succeeding potentially failing but actually trying it out um i have lately talked with you marta briefly about this or it was over the recordings you also have a uh, uh, quite some techniques with fear management and i think you have the the worst case scenario technique well, Which in general, I am a chief specialist in fears <laughs> because yeah. I had so many myself. Uh, no, I'm joking, but it's it's true. I've had like so like I was even unaware with how many fears I was dealing with and how much the fear was steering my life, especially that it was not very visible on the outside. On the outside, I would be rather this, you know, go ahead, girl, and do so much stuff, but so much fear was under the cover and uh, and so on. So I think through my own journey of overcoming fears. I have just studied a lot of techniques uh, in fear management and one of the very simple yet effective tools for managing your uh, fear on a mind level is just creating this worst case scenario and uh, having a very specific plan to what you will do in case that worst case scenario happens and then having the best case scenario. So uh, I, I find it, I use it quite a lot in many different uh, situations. It's helpful on a mind level, but there is there is more to it and there are deeper layers to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I could make a whole a podcast about it, not even an episode, but <laughs> <laughs> a whole podcast about fear management. Maybe that's a good idea, Marta, for 2021, because, you know, uh, I love this. Uh, I love this uh, thing with with this worst case scenario. First time Marta told me about it, and I was like, "Isn't this really healthy? Like you really you can scare the shit out of yourself if you make the worst case scenario." And she was like, "It's more about preparing yourself or actually." getting familiar with the fears you have because when the fears are floating in your mind and they are thoughts that are bombarding you daily they just come and go once you capture them on a piece of paper paper they are actually manageable they are not so scary anymore because things they are so scary in our head when we have no control over them and they just come and and somehow you know we, we feel hopeless and the imagination helps us to even uh, amplify it. But once you put them down on a piece of paper and then you're like, okay, so what will, what will I do if the worst happen? And suddenly it's not so scary anymore. So that's why I actually really like this tool. Although I was a, a small little skeptic when I heard about it first time in episode three of You've Got, You've Got Five Options. No, episode two. 
And I needed to, uh, Anna had uh, this kind of uh, shit going on at some point and I had to sneak it like during uh, during the time she was cooking. So she was not that aware that I was tricking her into the exercise and writing stuff for her. Yeah, she <laughs> so basically tricked me into some sort of like a, a coaching fear management session when she was at my place. I was cooking. She was like, so what would happen if this and can you elaborate on that? And then I realized that she basically is coaching me without my consent marta you know in in a year or two this might become illegal because now you have to have a consent for everything but it was great because she knows how to work with me um it's unbelievable that we are almost at the end of this show um and i have one more question about the fears and then i think i would just like to ask you about the the book again so if you look back now when you when idful is existing what do you think, which fear do you think, the fears that you had, which turned out to be kind of irrelevant? I think, I honestly think they were all relevant. They were mm -hmm. all relevant to tackle, you know, they were all relevant to our knowledge. And that's what we kind of, again, come back to from all this discussion. Acknowledging that you have that fear is always important because that's how you overcome it in the first place. And I think they were all there for a reason because once you acknowledge it, it kind of becomes easier and it doesn't yeah. bring back again. Mm -hmm. Okay, because sometimes I, I was curious if you will if you will say something else because sometimes we have a fear that turns out to be completely irrelevant. Like, why was I even afraid of that? But I think in your case, actually, your fe fears fall into an interesting category of of you know fail of success and sitting of something on something really great so i think they actually were all relevant but it's good to go through them anyway i think so too i think it's it doesn't it it, it might afterwards be like oh it's always it was so stupid but in in the end of the day it might have came again before afterwards anyways so you might as well just acknowledge it when it comes and be like that was a fear it's done now i'm good I acknowledge that it's there. Maybe it will stay there for a while, but I know it's there and I know, and I weighted my options and I'm okay with it. Okay. So coming back to the book that Marta already uh, would like to read, I know, and maybe, or may maybe not, I will share my, my copy with you. We will see about that because we have this whole germ situation. Uh, but uh, the book is self-published. And that definitely requires quite a lot of um, effort and time. But there was something interesting that you have mentioned at the beginning of this interview when you said that it required quite some courage for you to show yourself in that way to the world because that book is available on Amazon. Anyone who, who finds it can browse through it and see the name of the author and read your story. And it is revealing yourself to the world. So how did you uh, overcome this fear of actually showing yourself in that way? I think it was mostly by just showing the some chapters of, of it to my friends and then being and then seeing if it gives the effect that I wanted it to give. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, if, if the people who read it have this uh, 
if the people who read it have this different perception and everyone has their own way of understanding it, then I achieved what I wanted to achieve with it and it would be the service to not publish it in the end of the day because mm-hmm. I made what I wanted to make. I think there were a lot of irrelevant fears like, I don't know, grammatical mistakes being there or someone not <laughs> understanding some one line or something like that. I think it was more more that that I was afraid of, but in the end of the day, you know, my husband was like, "This is this is this is okay. It yeah. happens even in in big books that there are mistakes and there are typos or copy, you know, copy typos or whatever." And I mean, in the end of the day, it's it's just something that you wanted to achieve and you achieved it. And if it helps someone, then great on you. Yeah, I think this is a very good message. So I would like everyone to now go on amazon.com and search for Life Notes book. And if you don't have Amazon on hand or you are against it, please just go on the5options.com. We are not affiliated with Amazon. Find the show notes for this episode and see if you can contact Aista. Maybe she has a copy to sell for you. Uh, and you can also find her business IDful, which I think it's very exciting and all the information about this show. So thank you very much for being here today. You were a lovely, lovely interviewee. Marta, Marta Gabriela, whoever you are, thank you very much for co-hosting with me. And that was Small Business Rising. We will hear each other next week. Bye.